First John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What will what we will what we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The second reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The sense of readings for today. Thank you, Karen. So who are you? Who am I? Do you know who you are? Most of us spend our whole lives trying to understand who we are. For good or bad, much of our identity comes out of our family and the family system that helped to form and to shape us. Some of this we might consciously embrace. Some of it we might run from or fight with it. Some of it we never quite understand, but something is working within us that came from that forming in our family systems. We don't yet know what it is. Whether we admit it or not, the vast majority of us, people, spend a lot of our lives motivated by trying to prove something. That we're, that we're good enough. That our lives really matter in this world, in this time in history. 
But we have become all too aware of our own failures. And of the cruelties that often might come our way at the hands of others. And our egos can take a big hit. Now we could go off right at this moment to what is being revealed of what happens, for example, to so many women with all these revelations of sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, whatever you want to call it, that has happened to so many women and has gone unspoken for long, long periods of time in many of their lives. These women know of what some of these cruelties are and what it can do to your own identity as a person when you get treated that way. So many of us, from the things that happen and make it confusing to sort out who we are, many of us end up in therapy. And we often view that as, that must be a failure because I need help now. Some refuse to admit that they need help at all because they don't even want to consider that they haven't proven to themselves yet that they are worth it. But the truth is, life is really complicated. And every person, every one of you, is a complicated individual. And we can't figure it out by ourselves. We need each other to be successful. But the problem is, who do we trust? With those things that are gnawing deep within us, the things that make us feel like we're not worth it, like we're failures. Who do we trust? Who do we become vulnerable with? Who do we show our doubts to? In my dreamy days, I've always believed, and I do think it's the vision that's, that's in the scriptures for us, that we, as followers of Jesus, become this deeply trusting community where we can share our vulnerabilities, we can share our shame, we can share our deepest hurts, we can share our doubts, and together become strong. But it is true, we know it so often, it doesn't matter whether it's church or somewhere else, Building that trust is really a hard thing to do. And so we're left with ourselves. And how do we prove to ourselves that our life has been worth it? That it has been meaningful? That it has been good? So with that, as we introduce Karen today, the first letter of John... It's an amazing passage, actually. 
Let's go back to it for a second because it says some things about who we are. So what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. Core part of our identity. We are children of God. We belong to the family system of God. And that is what we are, it says in 1 John, in this letter. The reason that the world does not know us is that it did not know God. Beloved, we are God's children right now. What we will be in the future has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When God is revealed, we will be like God. Okay, I don't think we actually believe that, so let's get back up again. When God is revealed, we will be like God. You ever thought of that as part of your identity? As part of the family, as children of God? Part of God's family? What we are growing into is God's belief in us. That when God is fully revealed to us, we will be like God. We wouldn't need any therapy probably if we really believed that, but it's complicated to get from where we are to get to that place. And the reason is, the reason we're going to get there when God is revealed to us is because we will see God as God is. Right now it's a little clouded. All who have this hope in God purify themselves just as God is pure. That is revolutionary thinking that I bet most of us didn't learn in Sunday school. Do you remember that Sunday school lesson? We will be like God. Now that word purify comes up. And I bet it puts off a lot of things in you. It's kind of like, how are you going to be purified? Well, you're going to get all that bad stuff out. All that stuff that sends us to therapy. And of course we're failure and you know we don't really believe in ourselves. And even though God does believes in us. So we tend to think about it that way. We tend to think about when being purified as, as becoming perfect. And then now we're going to get a good report card from God. Once we're purified. But I think the commitment to purification is the commitment to do the hard, complicated work to move from our current understanding of ourselves to God's understanding of us. What do you think of yourself? Do you think you're on the path to being like God? That's the path God wants us on. That's the path God thinks we deserve to be on. 
So the purification process is to purify us from the junk that gets inside of us that can be caused by all sorts of things and family systems or other things that happen to us out there in the world over time. And to get back to who we are in our creation and to believing and knowing that we are on the path to being like God. And we are good. So a couple of points. In my A-plus years here, you've noticed that I kind of have an inclination, the United Church of Christ does too, towards dealing with a lot of issues in our society. We call them justice issues or social justice issues. Referred to by the prophets a lot and in the scriptures as God's righteousness. You'll notice that about me if you got to know me at all. Um, And that leads me to want our church to be engaged in the community. Well, it very much relates to this first letter of John. Why I'm so motivated. Because I look in myself and I see the damage that has happened and my lack of belief that I could possibly be like God, that I could possibly be on that path. And then I look out in society and I see the collection of things that have happened to so many people, whether it's through prejudice against people of color or demeaning of women or uh, or using up our environment and not caring about whether it's a healthy place for future generations. I see the things that happen out there and I see the damage and I see the damage that's within us as a people. And the work of social justice is the work, the restorative work of getting us back on the path that God calls us to. That purifying process that puts us back on the path to the day when we will be like God. I look out as it's getting colder outside. I look out at those who are homeless, those who are near homeless, those who are living on the edge. The reasons why we need all the different services, including the warming center in this town. I look out and I see the hurt and the pain. I see our unwillingness still as a society bring everybody together so that everybody can have a good warm night and successful life. I still see too much blaming. Well, they're in that situation because it's their own fault. Rather than looking at the collective damage that we've done to ourselves in human community to break ourselves apart, to not know God, therefore, and to not understand the path that we are on as children of God. I see it in our education system, and yes, that includes the dignity of a student every day, all day long, whether they're in the bathroom or wherever they are. I see it in the the game playing that happens with power and privilege in so many places, and who gets hurt through the process. As I mentioned earlier, I see it 
and are not understanding what our role is to be stewards of this entire beautiful creation we have and all the resources a part of it, to share it and to not use it up, to not be greedy, and to restore what has been damaged. If you want to take serious the purification process that will get us back on the road where we really know that this first John reading is correct, that we will be like God, to really have that belief in ourselves, to restore our own identities, you only need to look for what to pay attention to, to the Beatitudes that Karen read from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I broke those Beatitudes when I looked at them into three types. The first type is an attitude. And I don't pretend to understand them all. And the first one, the first attitude that, um, that I, I've seen debated and written about, I'm not going to preach on this today because it's take too long, um, but I, I don't think I fully grasp it yet. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The second attitude of people who are blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are the meek. And the third is blessed are those who are pure of heart. So we could spend, we could go off for a retreat on a weekend and just work on those three within ourselves. We could work on an understanding of what it means to be poor in spirit and meek and pure of heart. That would get us on the road. The second is ones of suffering, the attitudes around suffering. Blessed are those who mourn. Well, I know we have people mourning right now here mourning a loss that's fresh or one that might be coming or one that's old but still feels fresh and I bet you we don't feel blessed and I think this one gets us into the area that is really important and there's another whole sermon here too on what suffering has to do with us being redeemed and restored and made whole again because when we embrace and live in and through our suffering, we come out on the other side on that path that God has called us to. But it's hard. Another one related to suffering. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So those who are persecuted and are suffering that persecution blessed. Third, blessed are those who are reviled, who are viewed as evil, as perverted, all because they're followers of Jesus. And for that suffering that is endured, one is blessed. So one third of the Beatitudes have to do with 
how we handle different kinds of suffering. And how that's part of us being on that purification path. Now, the third set, the last three, are things, I call them advocacy kind of ones, because they have to do with actions, things where you would go and do something. So blessed are those who go out and act mercifully. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is the same word as justice in the scriptures. So those who hunger and thirst, and therefore with that hunger and thirst, they are working for justice. Blessed are they. And from little to big, this this is maybe one of the hardest ones, the third of the advocacy ones, Blessed are those who are peacemakers, who do the work to make real peace happen, not to smooth things over, to make real peace happen, whether it's within a family, or within a community, within a country, or within a world. So if you want to work on getting on that path of purification, talked about in 1 John, Put some serious hard work with the help of others, your therapists, your spiritual directors, your mentors, your friends, your family. On those nine, Beatitudes, around attitude, around suffering, around advocacy. To be blessed means to see the damage that is within us and within our human community. To see the corruption in ourselves, in our world, but to see it as temporary, as not a permanent state. Because when we're blessed, we see that we are the children of God. We see that we, with a little work, are on the path to restoration. And that is always clear to us. Even when the road gets a little windy at times. We participate in life with the hope of a restorative spirit. We need to commit ourselves to doing this work, this purification work guided by the Beatitudes, knowing that we're the children of God, believing that when God is fully revealed, we will be like God. We need to do this work within ourselves, within our families or the circles of our communities, like the church or Colville or our country. And we need to do it everywhere. And we need to look at the structures and the systems in our society that are promoting and encouraging what is doing damage, what is not restorative, what is not helping people 
have the hope of this path that as followers of Jesus we're called to be on. We as followers of Jesus Christ commit ourselves to doing this hard work with the suffering that will be part of it. Knowing and believing and confidently proclaiming that when God is revealed, we will be like God. Amen.